0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the You Should Run podcast. This is Tony Heil, council member in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania, uh, which is you know near the Philadelphia area. And if you've listened, you know I've talked to people from every state at all levels of government, from U.S. Senate to, well, me and borough council and all points in between. And I like to talk to people, and I try not to get the same state twice or same kind of um office twice even if i can and i realized i haven't talked to anyone from connecticut in a while even though i know connecticut from visiting there many times My wife is from New England, so I know how challenging Connecticut is just to drive through. But hopefully my guest today, Mary Wielander, who's a state representative, will tell me some good things there. Maybe I'll learn some things that confuse me about Connecticut, and uh, hopefully I'll end up liking the state even more than I did before, uh, because it's lovely. Um, But uh, Mary, thank you so much for talking today. I'm looking forward to learning more.
1: Thank you so much for having me, and I, um, I do hope that you come away with a, a greater appreciation for Connecticut. It's a, it's an awesome little state.
0: It is. It, I mean, it, it's tucked away in there. Like you, would, you can't draw the map exactly. My wife's from Rhode Island, so my okay. major impression of Rhode Island, I mean of Connecticut over the last fifteen years or so of being with my wife, is how much I hate driving through it. <laughs>
1: There may be a universal factor of, of people being frustrated with Connecticut highways. I, I will acknowledge that.
0: And so I know many parts of Connecticut, actually. I, um, I have my friends in Enfield, which is in northern Connecticut. I have friends in um, Berlin and uh, down near the shore. It's, it's beautiful. But what? tell me about the parts of Connecticut where you're from.
1: Well, I'm actually originally from Massachusetts, um, but I represent the 114th House District, and that is, uh, I live in Orange, um, so it's Orange, Derby, and Woodbridge, and that is just on the western side of New Haven, so we're right along the coastline almost, um, although we do not have access to the beach, which is a bummer. Um, Orange is landlocked, but, um, so I'm just outside of the the central, -central south-central section of Connecticut.
0: Great, and... So, the podcast is called You Should Run, and I, and I know everyone's kind of got their own political awakening. I know from some of the things I'm reading about your bio, you have a lot of things both in your early years you know, growing up and your family and other things that have happened in the world. But what, when did you become not just uh, like you watch the news, but when did you become to de- decide that you're going to be politically active?
1: Well, I. I think you kind of touched upon it. It's something that has been part of my family for a really long time. My mom served on her Board of Education. My father was on his Conservation Commission for decades. He even served as chair, I think, for over almost 20 years. Um, and when, so I've always been aware of public service. And then I have three younger brothers who are all combat veterans. And so giving back to community. Um, and in country, has been part of of our family history. And I've always been an active voter. Um, But for me to decide to take that next step happened 2015. I started to become more um, politically active as a volunteer, started making phone calls um, for Hillary Clinton. And um, for the 2016 election, I decided that it was important to, to get involved more directly. Um, so I ran for the board of education in orange, which I was fortunate to win a seat on and, um, which I loved, I loved that board. If I could still do both, if I could mm-hmm. do a board of education and state representative, I would, it has provided such a valuable insight into what our communities and schools need, which serves me very well now having that information in the house. Um, so I ran for Board of Ed in 2017, um, decided to run for state representative in 2018, unfortunately lost, And but then came back and ran again and won.
0: Now, becoming politically active, especially on national issues in Connecticut, is very different from here in Pennsylvania, because here, I would not even think to leave the Commonwealth to get another vote, because it can come down, the last two elections have come down to a few thousand votes in deciding the fate of the free world, unfortunately. It's a lot on our shoulders. Um, but so what's, when you become politically active, like you, you care about the presidential race, you care about these national issues. And, you know, for the most part, you need to convince people that aren't from Connecticut, right? So what's it like being politically active in those things where, you know, in your mind, you're like, I got to convince the people that need convincing.
1: Well, it's really interesting because I, there's a perception that Connecticut is true blue through and through, like that we are there. We and we, I recognize that we do have you know, our federal delegation, radically represented, um, but the state is actually a lot more purple mm-hmm. than um, than people realize, and so there isn't just convincing for outside, you know, contact, um, but. Even within my district, my district was represented by um, a Republican for 22 years, and it, it. So we flipped it, and this is this is a very unusual. Um, there, there's pockets. It's always funny because there's New Haven is very, very progressive and liberal, but then you get outside of some of the cities, and and it changes very, very dramatically, very quickly. Um, so, my job has been to make sure that I can connect with voters of all political persuasions, even within my own town. Um, And so it it really, one of the things that became very clear when I started getting more directly involved in local politics was the importance of local politics Mm -hmm. and making sure that you are having those conversations with your neighbors, but also um, understanding how the, I made a joke one time. It's called the Legos of democracy, mm-hmm. where you you if you don't build that strong foundation with with your with your base, then um, that's that's how the next level goes up. So people always wonder how did someone get to this level? Well, they started by showing up to town meetings and having conversations, and then maybe they ran for a local board, and then maybe they decided to go to a state level representation, um, and then it just. You know, builds on its on itself, and so that became very clear when I, uh, when I started, and so and under making people understand that Connecticut is a lot more purple in some ways than than um, than they might realize. So it's important to have representation that reflects your values at all levels.
0: Yeah, I've noticed, and one of the things that made me reach out to Connecticut was people pointing out that Connecticut may have more. Um, Republicans representing Biden districts than any other state in the country, at least per capita. I don't know how you um, define that necessarily. And it's confusing to me. I don't know if it's just because the kind of people that are nominated in both parties, you know, we have like in our area, those phrases ancestrally democratic or ancestrally Republican areas and Connecticut, obviously makes sense. Or is there also from your experience talking to voters, um some complacency amongst Democrats. Because Democrats often think, oh, I come out and vote every four years. Like, yeah, you need to do that a lot more often than that. So what what do you think is the like kind of the bigger biggest things there?
1: I think that's definitely something that happens mm-hmm. everywhere is the complacency. Yeah. Um and and the lack of turnout for the local, you know, your your school budget shouldn't have, you know, and I live in a town of um 13,000. And if we have you know 500 people come out to vote for our school budget, that's a that, that's that's so low. Mm-hmm. It should be so much higher. Right. These are important decisions. Um and and Connecticut does have a lot of districts that are represented. For example, I have um, in my three towns that I represent, all three voted for Biden. But two are run by Republican mayors or for select people. So it's, there's a lot of crossover. And so I think communicating to people that you, you have to show up every time is really important. And I don't know if people are understanding some of the threats that every state, states are seeing across the country Mm -hmm. and that sometimes those protective margins for, um, Values that we have come to just accept and and expect, um, though those protective barriers, those those boundaries, um, are not as strong as maybe they think. And-
0: I noticed from a lot of things you have posted that you talk about the bipartisan bills you passed and and things like that. And here in Pennsylvania, it seems like no one ever wants to like, take claim for bipartisan. Maybe they will in certain <laughs> districts, right? And. And you, and it's a big frustration in our legislature where no Democrat can get a vote on their bill. It has to be a Republican bill that a Democrat's on, um, and it seems like like there's no incentive to be bipartisan. Unfortunately, it's really frustrating. Do you think, based on the the way that those landscapes are in Connecticut, that you know there's more incentive to be bipartisan and it's easier to cross the aisle than maybe in some other states?
1: I absolutely agree with that. Um, I think if you if you look at the the final vote tallies for most every legislator, and there's 151 of us in the Connecticut House, um, the overwhelming majority of, I don't know the exact percentage, but it's upward of almost 90% of our bills are bipartisan. Mm. And a strong percentage are unanimous or close to unanimous. Um, Yesterday we passed a in the House and, and later it passed in the Senate, um, a, a gas tax appeal. So we're doing you know, we're giving Connecticut residents a break of twenty five cents a gallon until June first, and that was a unanimous um, unanimous proposal through the House and I believe unanimous in the the Senate as well. And not only did it provide a gas cap um, or gas tax relief, but it also provided free bus uh, transportation through the end of the fiscal year, and um, a tax-free sales sales tax week um, break in April for families to use. So it, that was something that even though it will have a, a budget line hit for, for the state, everyone was in favor of it, and it was really important that it was a unanimous bipartisan uh, bill. So I definitely think that the the more purple landscape of Connecticut does provide an incentive to, to show that you can work with people. And it's, it's important because that's how the real life works. You know, you all have to work together.
0: I, I It does, it's not really how the real life works here in Pennsylvania and in some other States, unfortunately, from what I've learned from, you know, Michigan, Wisconsin, you know, it's very cutthroat and my other experience in New England from my family there and friends, is you know there's a town every couple blocks you know everyone is <laughs> everyone walks around their buildings aren't too tall and it's lovely i mean i, I like new england a lot but uh, it feels like you're especially like in new hampshire which is like a hop skip and a jump away like you can see your legislators all the time and so all of you must know each other in a way that maybe in pennsylvania they don't in the same way. Does that create a personal disincentive to be cutthroat because just knowing people and being in the communities, both Democrats and Republicans?
1: I, I can speak to my personal experience that I have been fortunate enough to be treated with respect from every, pretty much everyone. Um, there's been some moments that have been concerning with constituents, um, but I haven't experienced the, the abuse that some of my colleagues have, especially, and I will say this, women, the Mm -hmm. younger women, um, who younger women who flipped seats are being harassed pretty strongly in, in our state sometimes. Um, and that's, that's not okay. Um, and that's something that I know a lot of states are looking at is looking at, um, online harassment, and how can we protect people? Because it is important to have these diverse voices from making these laws and and crafting these policies that affect everyone. Um, Connecticut has a crazy level of access to your your state representatives and your state senators. I represent 25,000 people. State senators represent about 100,000. There's 36 of them. Um, And it's you know, we're, especially for someone like me, I have three kids that are in school, they were are busy. I'm out at town functions, school functions, family things. So it is really easy to create access. So it, it does help remind people that we're people and that we're human and that we have families. Um, but I do worry about the, the changing landscape of, of how... Public officials are are seen and treated. It worries me.
0: And that, I think that is, you know, while we're both partisans, that is not necessarily a unique problem to any one party or one person from my experience no, at no. all. We, we had an issue with even, I don't want to criticize him, but a state senator who was a Democrat, he's still a Democrat, but then was replaced. Um, what, you know, we need more young women in office, women in general, because there's only one state with a majority female delegation which is insane after out of all 50 states especially because most of those other 49 it's not like a close margin between men and women what what can you do to help encourage more women to run in connecticut because again that complacency they might think you know look, democrats are going to hold it that's things are pretty stable why should i risk that level of harassment and and a pain as a as a woman running for office
1: I don't know, to be honest with you. This is this is a really important question and discussion because for Connecticut, we are considered a part-time legislature. Mm-hmm. So we're paid twenty-eight thousand dollars a year, and um, you have access to benefits. But if, especially for someone like me, I, I didn't, I'm not sure how long I'll be in the seat. So uprooting my entire family's medical history to try to find new providers, even though the plan was wonderful. um, That didn't really serve as a huge incentive for me. Um, So it's hard. I've had conversations with young women and I'm 43 and I'm considered one of the younger people. And that's, that in itself is a concern. Um, But it's hard because you have to say to your family, you can't, behave in certain ways anymore because people might be watching that's that's a hard conversation to have with your kids it's a hard conversation to have someone Mm -hmm. when you're trying to recruit them to run um our schedule even though we are considered part-time is not part-time it's a full-time job Mm -hmm. and we do have to deal with concerns like I text regularly with one of my chiefs of police just to make sure things are okay and let them know that I might be at an event that there could be issues. And that's, that's an unfortunate reality. Um, so I think having discussions about scheduling, like how are things scheduled? What is the, the pay? Are we able to be assured we'll be out at a certain time if we have to arrange for child care? Mm-hmm. Um, th- that can be derailed by one comment on the floor. I've only been in the legislature for a year and a half and I've seen it happen so many times where someone stands up and says something and that ticks one side or the other off and then here come the talkers. And all of a sudden, something that should have been done five minutes ago is now going to be stretching out for another two hours. Right. And, you know, that's an to think an unfortunate reality for most um, assemblies. That I think you could probably do hours and hours and hours on is just how do we get more diverse voices creating these policies into a a system that is not built for caregivers
0: yeah it and not just like you said child care but adult care because a lot of women are the mm-hmm. ones that are caring for parents
1: exactly and that's what a lot of my colleagues are facing right now is how do we how do we care for our kids and our parents who are and often in
0: two different places so it's the the travel to all those things as well
1: and then if you build in the sec- like the safety concerns this past couple of years of you know, I'm going into a chamber with you know hundreds of people mm-hmm. or, and, you know, we're not able to social distance really. And um, we did have the option for remote voting from our offices, um, but we're still always concerned about, okay, we're going into work. What are we bringing home? Right. And, you know, and that's, and then what am I potentially bringing into my community when I go out and I try to make sure I'm listening to constituents?
0: Yeah. It's a concern in a lot of ways. And I know... You, you talked about security. I have a neighbor, like, walk to his house in three minutes who was at the insurrection. So, oh I know, it's uh, worrisome. <clears throat> he comes to our meetings often. He doesn't talk all the time, but um, it's worrying to a few of us, you know, uh, mm-hmm. in that Trumpification of that side. And he wasn't, I mean, I knew he signed my petitions eight years ago. <laughs> It's,
1: the flip on some people has been astounding.
0: So you've There's seen the, that even in more moderate purple Connecticut as well, because yep. Connecticut is kind of like my County, Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. It's like, feels like a pretty good, um, comparison. So it's the same kind of thing where people you knew were just like, what happened to Bob?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It really, it very much so. And in my world, I mean, I used to be the PTA president of our school to see some of the changes in some of, of the moms as well. Um, and that has a trickle down effect, and you know, I, I mean, everyone is entitled to their their personal political opinions. Um, but it has been astounding to to see the, how some people have changed their fundamental core beliefs.
0: Um, it's kind of hard to know what is actual belief because they move, they zigzag so much. It's like, well, do mm-hmm. you wait? You, you believe that, and it's dangerous because their beliefs, at least here in, they tried to overturn the election here in PA. Obviously, you're a little bit away from that there, but. Yes. Um, you know, on that note, though, here in PA, with a not huge Republican margin, they went so far as to sign a letter saying to overturn our election uh, based on a bill that Republic, many of them who I've met and actually have before liked in some way, even if we disagreed upon, um, based on a bill that they had passed a year before. So just ridiculous logic. Um, so they're like cutthroat and all these things. Um, do you, would you rather have the friendly atmosphere that you have with a smaller or purplish districts and margins or have a slightly larger margin for your party and, you know, just be more over the top with what you want to do? What would you rather have like that nice atmosphere? Where you're still passing a lot of things you want or over the top and just because that's a lot of energy, too.
1: It's a lot of energy. Um, it, I will say, I mean, we have a, a Democratic majority in both chambers, um, and we have a Democratic governor. Um, and so we are able to pass a number of, of priorities for, for our party. Again, the vast majority are all bipartisanly mm-hmm. supported. And and I think that that's, it is important to note that you can have bipartisan and respectful dialogues about major issues and still represent different parties um, I, I I've when I was mentioning the real world earlier I think it's it, when I, w- I was referring to like actual society you go to a business you go to an office you are going to be working with people who have different beliefs and you still have to make sure that the reports are done on time Mm -hmm. and the, you know, the sales happen and the the product product gets out and that's going to happen no matter where you fall on the political spectrum. Um, And so I think if you are going to to try to solve problems for the real world, then your chamber has to behave in a way. And it, it is frustrating for me. I will say to have private conversations with my colleagues, um, on both sides of the aisle where they say, you know, they're like, I, I really, I like this idea. I don't think I can support it. Or, um, this is something, you know, I agree with you. And then they'll publicly say something that is very, very partisan and not what I expected. Um, I'm new at politics, but I tend to just, I am who I am. Um, and I know that things can change and people can change, but to have a flip between a conversation mm-hmm. and a press conference, that's frustrating yeah. to me. And I, I, I don't think that people are served well when you are, are twisting yourself in some ways.
0: And, and you you were involved on a very local level and it's a lot harder to like on council or in school board. It's harder to do that on a local level because you are working on those things so intimately and you know, it, it's rare to see a school board member that works well with everybody internally and then they go out and they're a jerk. That's not the way it is there.
1: No, it's not. And I think it, and that's where most of us get our start. And so I, I wish I saw that reflected more and in, mm-hmm. in different, um, in different things. But I also understand that people have a role to play and that's, you know, your role as a leader and also as a um, part of it's your communication process. So I think with, especially especially with my district, I'm able to at this point speak pretty frankly Mm -hmm. and, um, and walk that line. I mean, I have, I have a very, three towns that have very distinct needs. And in, after redistricting, if I'm fortunate enough to win re-election, um, I will have four towns that I represent and that have multiple other representatives that you know, are, because I'm not sure if you've looked at the map, but so I live in Orange. Orange has 13,000 people. <coughs> right. And we have three different state representatives Mm -hmm. and I represent half of Derby and they have, we have three different state representatives for Derby and that has like 9,000 people. It's so there's a lot of overlap. You have to do a lot of collaboration. Um, and you also have to reflect the needs of your constituents, which are not going to be the same unless you have one town that Mm -hmm. is pretty homogenous.
0: Yeah. And even sometimes, like I was talking with Cam Buckner recently, he's a state rep from Chicago. Like that town is very diverse from one block to the next, and people don't yes. think about it when you're not from there. Um, but you, you talk about all the bipartisan things you've done. You talk about like your kind of motivation. So, but we haven't talked about what you've done. So it is unfortunate. You need to get some credit. So what are the, you know, you've only been in office for a short time, but you have accomplished some things that you wanted to do. So what have you been most happy to say? I did this? I am like a lead on this and it got done.
1: Oh, I've I'm, I'm been very fortunate um, to have find some really great collaborators. Um, but some of the, the work that I'm the most proud of is the the work done to protect children. I serve as vice chair of the children's committee. Um, and we have done uh, work that is trying to expand um, mental and behavioral health access to our schools to our um, communities, and I did some work on that last year um, and got a couple bills through about with that in mind to try to establish school-based mental health clinics so we can get those Tier 1 interventions right into our schools. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm continuing to work as a, there's a very small group of us, there's about five, five or six of a bipartisan working group that the Speaker of the House put together um, because his priority was children's access to mental health. And so we are putting forward some what I hope to be transformative legislation to try to address the mental behavioral behavioral health crisis in our state, um, short term, long term plans. Um, And then this year, my focus has continued to be on mental health, but also protecting children from online exploitation and abuse. Mm -hmm. And so I am hoping to hear today that some of the language that is going through the Judiciary Committee um, to expand our statutes to to cover a broader array of um, abuse directed at children online. I'm hoping that that will go through and get out of committee and I can help present it on the floor. Um, And we're also establishing a task force to look at how abuse of children is happening across the state, how often the methods, and if it's being prosecuted and why it isn't, if it isn't. Um, And so we can understand, is this a personnel problem in law enforcement? Most reports I've seen and feedback I've gotten have shown that police departments don't have the dedicated resources that they need for uh, officers dedicated to child sex abuse or online child sex abuse. And um, so we want to make sure we can identify those gaps and work to fill them.
0: That, that's great. and I mean, you're talking about we're both same age, basically. I'm going to be 42 in a few weeks. And so we're both children of the 80s and 90s. And as challenging as you know, um, probably even uh, more challenging maybe, um, growing up, I'm glad that we grew up in those times. It's I've, like, I like look at my kids who are, six, who are eight and six and think about how much more challenging it is being a young person today than it was when we were kids. And I'm sure you're seeing that as a parent and a legislator now.
1: It's a completely different landscape and the conversations I have, uh, 15, 13 and 10 year old, and it is a completely different world that and they are growing up in. And we've had to have conversations that are so different than what we experienced as kids and with our parents. Um, and the thing that has been the most chilling and I, I mentioned this in, in testimony the, the other day, is that the stereotype of the, the stranger in the van, the the you know person mm-hmm. on the corner who you're not, you know, it's like stay away from that person, that is not the case anymore. Your child could be sitting next to you on the couch and get a direct message from someone across the state, across the country, that is horrific, horrifically abusive mm-hmm. and explicit. And you might not know. and it is so to have that happening in your own house um, is really, really scary. And we need to make sure that our we have those those statutes in place that can um, protect our kids.
0: Yeah, it's really challenging seeing even what my 8-year-old watches on YouTube. And Mm -hmm. thankfully he's not talking to anyone online, but I can see the conversations he's had with some of his friends, some of them already getting in trouble as innocent kids. But, you know, kids are curious. Kids are kids. kids. And it's important to – I think when you have your parents in the the legislatures who understand that, it's important. Um, One last – topic that is much less serious the reason i picked you of the people to talk to in connecticut is (laughs) pizza you it's in your profile obviously i had pizza for breakfast and dinner last night um what is what kind of pizza should people be getting when they get into connecticut what what do you like is it just the same regular stuff that everyone else likes or is there something special that we're missing out on
1: oh pizza
0: i know connecticut is really like the home of original pizza in this country
1: it I I love pizza. I yes. love pizza so much. Um, so I'm so happy you brought this up. Uh, New Haven pizza yes. is the best pizza, mm-hmm. and there's a number of different places. And this can start, you know, a lot of battles if you start mentioning who you know where you prefer. Um, I, I will go on record and say that Pepe's is my is my favorite. Um, but recognize that you know Sally's is awesome. The um, mashed potato pizza at Bar is amazing. Um, Modern pizza, I went through a really strong modern phase when I was (laughs) pregnant with my son. They have like this charred crust. Oh, my
0: wife, I like that.
1: Yeah, it's it's just, it's like, it's bubbly. It's a thin crust pizza. They all make their own sauces. You really have to find the one that you love, but um, I you will not be able to find bad New Haven pizza, Mm -hmm. you know, those four places. And I know there's more, There's the parties in West Haven. There's Roseland, there's, um, tipsy tomato. I mean, we're going into the Valley now. I mean, there's, there's some, it's amazing. Just, I would do, if I, if someone really loved pizza, they should come to New Haven, come to Connecticut, map it out and do like a pizza tour. And just like make this the pizza trail. It's and to add on to that, if you like, you know, beverages, adult beverages. Um, we have some amazing breweries, and the 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 brew trail of, of Connecticut is is really great.
0: I don't think a lot of people are thinking about that. Like, I mean, I know Pete, Connecticut's famous for pizza, and some other states or parts of states are very underwhelming in comparison. So. Yes. Next and time. any
1: claims, any claims that someone else is, is the home of the world's best pizza are false. I think I think Detroit got a, a shout out. I, yesterday. I saw
0: that, and I think everyone made fun of it. Yes.
1: You know, no, no, no. Uh, slight can, to Detroit. You can you
0: can slight but, them. It's okay. You're not going to lose any votes by slating Detroit pizza. <laughs>
1: this is true. I, yeah. <laughs>
0: There's no one in dairy, there's no one in orange that's gonna be like, what that, that my, that's my issue, is that? that right. kind of
1: now we, there was a big debate though we did declare pizza as the state food last year, and there was a, a, a heated floor debate between um, pizza and lobster rolls. So
0: that was know. I do remember going through Connecticut to get to Rhode Island and there was someone dressed up as a lobster roll to sell them <laughs> to sell at a rest stop to sell the McDonald's lobster roll. And I thought, no, I am not coming to no. New England to getting lobster at McDonald's. I don't care how good it is. That's no, not gonna it, happen.
1: Definitely, definitely don't. Definitely don't.
0: No, <laughs> no. But I, I do love going to New England. Maybe we'll will be there this summer sometime, and uh, to get back there for the first time in quite a while. Um, so before I before I let you go, if people are interested in following you, maybe getting some encouragement, what's the best ways for people to follow you online?
1: Um, right now, my Twitter and um. Twitter, Instagram, and um, my campaign Facebook page that I maintain um, independently is all at Wheelander for ct um, well, that's W-E-L-A-N-D-E-R-F-O-R-C-T.
0: Well, that is a good thing for Welander be- to be for, for sure. Yes. <laughs> so, and, and if you um, are ever not for Connecticut anymore, you can just rename it welander for pizza and I'm sure people will understand.
1: <laughs> I so. might make a, a dual account for that. Yeah. And I, I should say... I know I was doom and gloom talking about the challenges of young people, you know, especially women running, but it is so, so important. And I love the work that I'm doing Mm -hmm. and the challenges do not overwhelm the, the, the feeling of doing good for your community. And so if someone is thinking about running, especially, I know you have to ask women like seven times before they do anything. Um, it's, I'm happy to have those conversations with anyone because it's, it's important to get an idea of what you might be getting into, um, but also just to have a, a network. I have a group of women um, and a couple young men that um, I serve with who are a lifeline of, of just support and camaraderie. And it's, it's great to have someone you can go to when you're like, babysitter canceled or um, my kid has the flu. You know, that those are those human moments that cross party lines, um, but are so important to have. So, but I have found so I to try putting that out.
0: a lot of people who aren't into politics will complain about the so-called team atmosphere of blue versus red or, you know, other kinds of teams as well. But that does mean that people in politics, whether you're in office or just in the atmosphere often will be more encouraging than I think people realize. and But they're not going to be encouraging until you get involved and put your name out there. And there are a lot of resources to help, but only if you are willing to try.
1: Yes, absolutely. And you can try. You can fail. You can try again. But if you try, you're showing that you're committed to your community, the process, and um, and representation matters. And I've had even when I lost, I had people come up and say, "We're so grateful that you ran." Mm And it was it was. I was a long shot candidate, um, but it was important for the daughters of my friends to see someone that they could relate to running. And um, that's important.
0: And I imagine it wasn't just so much that they could see that you ran, but how you ran so that you could like, if you lost, even if you didn't run again, that you lost in a respectful fashion and you kept your head on your shoulders and could walk away proud.
1: That is something that I have made very clear to our the first campaign team, um, and still is a standard that I hold myself and everyone else to, is that we run clean campaigns. If we lost, or even if we won, we needed to be able to go back into our communities, mm-hmm. go back to our schools, go back into you know your houses of worship, and know that we held ourselves to a standard of, of integrity. Um, because my kids are gonna remember this. They're gonna remember how their mother behaved and other people will remember. And I, I never wanted to put anyone in a position where they felt embarrassed or um, upset. And we're not all going to agree, but there, you can hold yourself to a level of of decorum and, and respect and integrity and, and still do this work.
0: Well, I think we need more of that, whether it's in Connecticut, Pennsylvania or any other state or Commonwealth. That's what we need in politics. Uh, so thank you so much, Mary, for sharing your, your time. And I hope if uh, anyone's listening, they'll be encouraged. Reach out to Wheelander for CT and maybe they'll want to run for Congress or run for state rep or run for city, city council or school board or anything and you can help them out.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It was really great chatting with you.
0: Great. Have good luck in Connecticut. And if you're listening, maybe you should run for office too.
1: Absolutely.